0: Welcome back to Gal on the Go Unplugged. My guest today is Ashley Harris, a Texas native with a bold voice, true to the Gal on the Go mantra. Ashley uses comedy and sci fi to express beautiful and gritty truths about the Black experience in America. She began writing at eight years old and then added producing to her passions. One of her short films was screened in the 2018 South by Southwest Austin School of Film Student Showcase. Her romantic comedy, The Electrics, was selected for the web series category in the 2021 American Black Film Festival. And her first feature film screenplay, After Exodus, Landed in the second round of the 2022 Austin Film Festival Screenplay Competition. Woo! Hi, Ashley. <laughs> Hi, Kimberly. How's it going? Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on Unplugged. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I love it. Well, I'm well, thank you. And I know people are going to be very excited to hear about these cool projects that we just have to share more about. So let's start with your web series, The Electrics. The Electrics follows Lucky, an impulsive young Black woman looking for love whose world is turned upside down when she's electrocuted and gains the gift to read other Black people's minds. How did your idea for that romantic sci-fi web series come about? So
1: it kind of came about really from two different avenues. One is for a time I was young and dating and Austin is, you know, a predominantly white city. It has a very small black population at the time. It was like 8%. And so as a black woman looking for black love and trying to find a black partner, it was really challenging And I did try to experiment and, you know, do interracial dating. And oftentimes I just ended up having these very almost cliche (laughs) interactions that were just really awful at the time, but they ended up turning into something really comedic. A lot of just really oddball, strange guys that you would be like, why are you on a date with a Black woman? Are you you sure this is what you want to do? No, also sometimes fetishization, a a lot of just a, a lot of craziness but it it always turned into really i think something that was very easy to turn into comedic moments and so just all of the different stories and experiences that i had of of dating in austin i felt like was something that i started to hear similar stories from like my girlfriends and just people that i would meet of just like how hard it is and how much of a challenge it is partially because of of that like the small population but also because austin has this bit of um it's called like. Peter Pan syndrome, where because it's like a college town in a sense still, there's this bit of, you know, guys not necessarily wanting to grow up and commit. And so that also leads to a lot of challenges, a lot of like, you know, Netflix and chill and that whole thing. So it just, a lot of common stories. And I felt like there was a lot of richness to tell there and the kind of just the different experiences and stories about dating here. And then also for me, a lot of my work, which you mentioned, is really rooted in telling um, stories around the black experience and really centering the black experience. And so one thing that I've always felt like is a thing that's shared across uh, our culture, no matter really what state you come from, is like if you're in a room as a black person and you see another black person, like there's kind of this like inherent just like knowing that of like okay like you and I have some kind of shared experience almost this bit of like telepathy in a sense of like you don't even have to say anything it's just like it's known or right? you just see them and be like okay I, I like I kind of already know and I just thought that there was something interesting there And being a sci-fi lover of this is the idea of like taking that um more abstract concept and turning it into a reality of being able to actually read people's minds and then it being specifically other black people's minds you could read. And so that idea was something that I always kind of thought was was fun and interesting. And so I really just merged those two stories together to tell the larger story of the electrics.
0: I love that because it's fresh. And, you know, you, you 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 took something and, you know, with that twist on it. So it's not like, OK, here's a re- another like relationship show or another like comedy relationship show. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Now, I know. OK, so I know this is important to you. You said in the past that having a black crew is very important to you. And the electrics features an all black leading cast, 80 percent black and brown. The music for the pilot was produced, written and performed by Black music artists and a Black owned studio. Can you please share your whys behind this? Because I think that's really important. Yeah. So
1: for me, it's one of maintaining like the authenticity of the story, you know, because the full the cast is all leading Black cast, because all of the stories that are being told are from the the Black POV, I felt like it was really important to maintain the authenticity of of the story and of the characters. And that gets into when you're thinking about crew, for instance, lighting, that's a really big thing and has been a really big problem in the industry of like like lighting not looking well on black actors all the time. And it's because the people that are doing the lighting are not making those considerations of the skin and the different tones of the people that they're lighting. So something just like in that one line of, of people in the crew of having people that are already thinking about Black people because they are black or they're they're brown. They're used to working with those type of actors. Is how we maintain like the the authenticity and the beauty of the story. And also for me, it's important to give people opportunities because again, like Austin doesn't have a large black population, there aren't going to be a lot of opportunities for black cast and crew in the area. So if you know you're a black actor and you're looking to star in a role and star in a role where there's like majority black cast, like those. Opportunities are going to be a lot slimmer in Austin compared to if you lived in a different city. And so I really wanted to just be able to provide working opportunities for people of color, um, especially just because in general, there's a lot of stigmas and discrimination that is still rampant in in any industry, you know, from an employment perspective. And so being able to uplift um, people of color and continue to provide creative opportunities for people in my community has just always been something that is really important to me. So we we were able to do that, you know. For the most part, it's still kind of hard because, like I so said, the numbers aren't always there. So sometimes we got to pull people from Dallas and Houston and San Antonio or wherever. But, but it, you know, that is something that we prioritize in the work that we do of trying to pull in all these people to build this really like I said um, authentic experience and and inclusive and diverse um, experience.
0: I love that. I think that your mindfulness of that is incredible. Like from a genuine perspective of the show, you know, just supporting the culture. I never would have known about the lighting or thought about that. Like an element such as lighting, that's such a incredible thing to be educated on. And I can see why that would be important. Like, you know, you want something to be Quality because you've put your heart and soul into, you know, writing the story and producing it. You don't want it to then like fall short in any other area with like bad lighting or other elements. And that being important due to the skin color, like I think that's wild. Like I never would have thought of that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. So Your show was nominated for Best Web Series by the American Black Film Festival. What aspect of that nomination is most meaningful to you?
1: I mean, just even being recognized, I mean, the American Black Film Festival is a huge festival. It is something that is honestly uh, world renowned. And to be able to be, you know, a part of that festival, I felt like was a really big signal that like we were, we were taking the right path, that there was a lot of merit to this project and to the work, especially as an independent filmmaker, you know, you're just like, kind of going, you know, with a hope and a dream and just making something that you believe in. But to get um, really that nod from from the festival really just meant a lot. And to me was like really kind of that um, moment that like solidified that like, okay, like this is a really strong story and it's something to continue to push for. And I think really, for you know, there are a lot of great festivals, but that is a festival that I've just had my eye on for a while as a, as a Black filmmaker. And so was just very excited to, to get that that selection.
0: I love that because, you know, if that's something that was a goal of yours and you felt that your work at that point, like that specific piece of work was worthy and that you went for it, that's very cool. Thank you. Well, okay. So as a great producer that you are, can you share like what are, what you think are, let's say like the top three really important attributes to have as a great producer? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think because of the role of the producer, this the attributes are kind of similar to a lot of um, a lot of different types of jobs that you can think of. But so it might seem it sound a little cliche, but like communication is definitely one because you are talking to a lot of different people and different people with different personality types right and, and different goals and different um hopes for the project you're talking to anything from investors people that might be donating you're talking to actors and actors have a wide range of personalities um you're talking to other producers the directors the cinematographers you you know location owners or, or different like even like food vendors because you're helping with potentially helping with the craft services. So you talk to so many people and you have to keep up with all of that communication. You have to be able to communicate effectively and communicate well. And communicate in a way that people are going to like working with you, <laughs> because depending on how long you know that you know you have pre-production, production, and post-production, and depending on your role as a producer, you may be involved in all three. But being able to communicate well until where people actually enjoy working with you is super important. And that one kind of ties into kind of a second thing, which is being organized, because you are, uh, in a sense, doing a lot of like project management work of just um, especially indie you wear a lot of hats um sometimes doing things you might not have assumed a producer would be doing but it's like the work's got to get done and so being really organized keeping up with your documentation keeping up with just just you know spreadsheets it's a lot of spreadsheets uh so just being organized is really important. Wow. And then I think that third one. This one is you know any people might argue with this. I personally feel like for me this is like important as a um producer is being uh, a good person to be honest because I think being genuine and being a good person like in this specific role can like take you far. Cause a lot of this is relationship building and and that's how you kind of start to get people to like see your vision and like wanna be a part of your project. wanna help with the project, especially with independent filmmaking. A lot of times like funding is very slim to none. You're just trying to figure stuff out. And so getting people to like wanna be on board and like be a part of of your, your team is a lot easier when they feel like you're a genuine, just good hearted person that's just trying to, you know, do something creative, do something fun, that you have a purpose and a vision. And so being able to to basically, like, get people to, like, be a part of your project does, to me, requires just being, like, a good-hearted person that has, like, kind of good intentions and, and good mindset.
0: I think that is so awesome that that's an element that's important to you because I feel like that's a lost element in the world today, sadly, it seems to be a fleeting trait. So that's really incredible. And I would say you will have so many people that want to continue working with you because you're such a joy and you have this like wonderful heart. So <laughs> a wonderful thing to keep it in the mix. So, okay, so with those traits, given those traits, then applying those traits to like a production, like what makes a production successful then?
1: Mm, well, besides all of those things, to me, I guess what makes a production successful is well, several things. One is good leadership, having a really solid leadership team, having really strong director, really strong cinematographer, really strong producers. And really strong assistant directors, because those people are guiding the, the schedule, the, the overall vision, and making sure that everything happens in the time that needs to happen in the budget, making sure everyone has what their need, has what they need, has what they were promised, and just, you know, making sure that all the expectations are met. And so having a really strong team that's overseeing kind of those core like leadership positions, I think really helps set the production up for success. I also think, like, making it a welcoming environment. I always tell the story of, like, one of the, the uh, on the first episode of The Electrics, we were on the set, and we were shooting in this house, and it was just, like, almost like we were hanging out with friends, the way the, like, experience was. Like, you know, when we weren't, like, actively filming, like, there was, like, r b music playing in the background. People were playing cards. Like, for Crafty that day, we had Jamaican food, and, like, everybody was, like, talking about how great the food was. And it was just like, just a lot of fun. It was like a comfortable space. And I think even when you're not like at a house, of course, like, you know, there's a lot of wild sets you could be on depending on the shoot, but having an environment where people just feel comfortable, I think really just makes it easier because production is hard, especially like, you know, sometimes you have like, hard days, the weather might be kind of yucky. You might have to, you know, have a little more hours than you wanted, or, you know, just things don't work out the way you wanted, whatever the case may be. And it, and this can be stressful. And so just being able to like have a really comfortable environment for people to be able to work together and solve problems really quickly, I think really helps again, like just set the production up for success.
0: So being prepared with the things you can control is important because there's so other factors that come into play that you can't control, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, like weather. So you could strike that balance. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely that weather, or I don't know, someone that was supposed to let you into a building doesn't let you into the building on time. So now your schedules off. I mean, there's all kinds of like crazy, just crazy stuff. So yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, it's the behind the scenes aspect. Mm-hmm. That people take for granted when they watch a great show like yours and they're enjoying it and they have no idea, you know, like the true work and grit that went into making it what they're watching in that final version. So, you know, to your credit, you're doing this project and it's a budgeted project. And have you ever found like, you know, with limited funds, do you have to make tough decisions like things that have to be cut? And what would be things that you would cut? And what are some things that are like deal breakers? Like you would never cut, let's say, on the quality of the actors, but you would cut on the quality of the craft food or something.
1: Right. So I I remember when I, I think it was like my first short and I, I don't I don't think I was over crafty, but I was having a conversation like during like one of the meals with one of the actors and they were just telling me about how big of a deal crafty is. And, but some productions tend to skimp on it, especially with independent productions and how many sets they have been on. And they just had like, <laughs> like ham and cheese sandwiches and like, you know, just like lunchable esque food for adults. What? And you just, and it, yeah like because it's like oh we can just cut on crappy you know it's like oh we just go grab some stuff from you know the grocery store and like keep it cheap which is like yeah that's a place that you would like think oh we can cut here because it doesn't affect like the quality of the film per se but that always stuck with me and so I made it a point that I was like whenever I have you know like my productions like going forward like I'm going to have like incredible crafty. That is a must. And so I never skimp on crafty. So I make it a point to either hire like black caterers and chefs. Like that's usually like my first goal or find like black owned restaurants that I can get catering from. And if I can't do that, at least get catering from like restaurants that like people actually like to eat or like local restaurants too. So i try to also like patronize like local Austin restaurants, but that's like it's like good food that people are like excited like oh you got such and such today like cool you know so i don't i don't like skimping with crafty so like if i was going to cut anywhere it's usually like i'll try to find like props and like in a cheaper way like can i we can go to like the uh you know, the thrift store and find some props or, you know, find like some stuff that people already have. Sometimes we'll just ask people like, do you have such and such, you know,
0: use your resources.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That kind of approach sometimes with wardrobe, like you can skimp there a little bit because sometimes people have things already still have to buy some, some items or sometimes the stylist will have things already. So that helps. And I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of places where it's hard. Locations too, because it's like you have to find a good location, but location can be really expensive depending on like if you have to pay a rental fee. And so those are usually the places where it's like, that's going to be a heavy chunk of the budget, but we can at least, we get to decide, you know, like where's the location going to be? So it's like determining that can help with like, okay, this location is perfect, but we can find another one that's like a thousand dollars less. Let's do that. You know, so those are kind of some of the conversations, the hard conversations that we have. Cause there have been times I've found, you know, locations was like, oh, this is beautiful. It's perfect. We could do this shot and this shot and this shot. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's going to eat the entire budget to book this for a day. So we're not going to go there.
0: <laughs> so. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's actually a fascinating answer because I, I would not have expected that. I mean, like some of it I, I get like the set and the expense of that and have to creatively come up with like a similar or just go a totally different way with the environment that you were thinking for this scene. But I I guess I never thought of like the hangry actors (laughs) and how that's an important element you would not cut that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you want to keep your, your crew, your cast and crew happy. And, you know, they remember that they, you know, it seems small. It's like, oh, it's just food. But it's like, you know, food's important. Food's a part of social gatherings, interactions. So people remember if you have good crafty or not on your set. And then it kind of helps with inviting them back to other productions. So...
0: Well, as a fresh producer, you know, like you mentioned wearing many hats and you have to be mindful of your budget, like, you know, but like. How do you creatively go about like, so you came up with the idea for the electrics and you, you know, you're thinking of all the elements involved, right. And like what that cost would be. And, you know, hopefully one day soon, like that's like, I, I don't know if like Spielberg even has like, you know, worries about his budget at that level, but like, so what about that? Do you, you know, say this is how I have to go about getting the funds for the production? Like, yeah. is it GoFundMe? Oh, is it private donors? Yeah. So uh,
1: it's a mix of things. So for the pilot episode, I, and honestly, it was just like people being willing to like donate their time. Uh, it was really me pitching the story and the vision and being like, here's the idea. I feel like in order to actually get funding for this project, it's going to have to go from the script to the screen. Like there's going to have to be something tangible for people to see and react to in order to be able to sell the idea of, you know, funding for the rest of the season. And so I really just got people, you know, that were interested in the project and interested in working on it, um, really to donate a lot, you know, their time and and different, you know, materials and such for the first episode. And then I had saved money and so just self-financed so that we had great crafty and, you know, all the other things. but a lot of the like cats and crew really were just like, you know, we just want to be a part of the project. And so that helps us get the pilot done. And then with the second episode, so that one was a mix of crowdfunding and then um, saving. So it was right when we were like thinking about starting to go into pre-production for the second episode is when COVID hit. And so we went into quarantine and so the, no, nothing was being filmed. And so the silver lining in that was that I was like, well, I got Time to save money. <laughs> so, so I was saving money up until you know finally got to a place that we could actually start filming again comfortably. And then, you know, we went into pre-production. And then eventually, so then by the time we actually even got to film, you know, which at that point, I think that was like maybe two years later or something like that. By that point, then I had saved up enough to and end with the crowdfunding to actually fund the second episode. But then at that point, it was like, okay, well self-financing, this isn't going to be um, realistic for the rest of the season. So I I wrote all the episodes for the season and it's 11 episodes currently. And so we've we independently produced too. And so really now the other producer, Ashley and I are working on finding uh, other funding opportunities and seeing what that looks like. If that, you know, is partnering with production house and and getting the show fully developed or, you know, potentially finding, you know, people interested in funding it, investors, there's a lot of different routes you could go. I think for me, the biggest thing is just making sure that we're able to keep the show in Austin and, you know, really just keep the same folks that have been dedicated to it from the beginning to be a part of it.
0: Ah, well, I I hope that works out and I support you (laughs) now. Okay. So you mentioned Ashley. So I'm going to go there. Our mutual friend of how I met you is Ashley Robinson, who is co-producer of the walking dead and executive producer of your show, The Electrics. And you two, one of the things I really love is that you two seem to have this full collaboration like power vibe. And I could see you being this powerhouse as I watch your careers grow. And it's so exciting to me. How did the two of you come about working together? And what are some projects that you have coming up besides The Electrics? Yeah. So
1: as many people call us the Ashley's since they're getting an email from me or or from Ashley. Um, So we got like our little like Ashley duo thing going on. But yeah, so we actually met uh, through Facebook. Funny enough, when I first put out like a visual for the series and I was just trying to find a team, because at that point it was literally like me in the script. And I was like, okay. I'm going to make like a a poster that like kind of communicates what the story is about and pretty much just saying like, hey, this is a Black rom-com web series that's going to be filmed in Austin. I need everyone. I need a whole team. (laughs) And I posted it in like all the like Austin filmmakers and Texas filmmakers and all the like different groups. And someone tagged Ashley in the comments. And so we ended up we didn't like talking this happened. There were a couple of people that ended up being a part of the team that this is how they got involved as someone tagged them was like, you should talk to such and such, you know, it was like, because it was a black focus show, they were like, Oh, I know this great, you know, black cinematographer. photographer you should talk to. Like, so, yeah. So, but Ashley was tagged and then we ended up connecting via Facebook and then, you know, talked on the phone and then set up a dinner met in person and like half the the conversation was just like about the show, but then we ended up just like kind of, hitting it off, like from a friendship kind of vibe and was like, I actually like you. You're, you're cool. Like we could do business, but like I could hang out with you. Like, so <laughs> we ended uh-huh. up, you know, it kind of like, you know, grew. And so we, you know, worked together on this project and we worked together on other projects in the past, like since then, but the lectures was really what kicked it off. And so it started both our producing professional relationship, but also our friendship, which is pretty cool.
0: I love that. And I told her I look forward to and I know it's going to happen. I just have this like feeling I'm going to see you on many award shows in the future, like both for Project Solo and together. So I.
1: I Yes, yes. And actually, I didn't answer the the other part of your question. Uh, Ashley and I are working on a short film, producing a short film right now. So I wrote a short film. A while ago, uh, I won't give too much away, but it's called Reparations Day and Ooh. it's a drama thriller. And so I've had this story in the script for a while and I've just been wanting to figure out what to do with it. I think I'm entered it into like a contest here or there, but I really wanted to produce it. And so I sent the script to Ashley and she loved it and was like, OK, yeah, we have to produce this. So she and I are currently in pre-production production trying to get all of the stuff to go in for that. And I think we're actually going to launch an Indiegogo for it to get some funding. So we're working on getting that together right now. So that'll be out in about in a little bit.
0: Oh, cool. And what's Indiegogo? So that's a crowdfunding platform,
1: like like a GoFundMe, but it's specifically for like a lot of uh, independent projects. A lot of filmmakers use that. Um, they these like that or Kickstarter. There's a few, but it's a platform for people who are interested in essentially helping fund projects and so you basically put your project out there you like have a pitch page and then people can donate and there are like different tiers that they can donate at and depending on like the levels you can offer them like gifts and like fun like things like oh maybe you can have like a cameo in the film like if you donate like x amount of money and it's a pretty cool oh. platform and so we're working on that so that we can get funding for the film so that we can produce it here in austin
0: all right, everybody. Well, you heard that, so go look it up and help contribute to the funding to be on board for this duel that's going to be taken over. And you know, <laughs> the
1: Ashley's the ashes are coming to a screen near you. So the
0: Ashley's in effect. <laughs> no, you okay? So you mentioned writing the screenplay that you you know you presented to her about doing as this next project. Which thank you so much for the exclusive to Unplugged listeners. <laughs> uh, But, you know, can you share before we go, like, what is your script writing process like? Like, do you keep a notebook and you just write ideas as they come? Or do you set, like, time aside? What's that process like for you?
1: Yeah. So I found, like, setting time aside, like, isn't realistic. Because I have, like, a, you know, a 9 to 5 job as well. And, you know, try to do all the adult stuff. Like, go to the gym, cook dinner, laundry, you know. So it's like, uh, it's hard to find, like, set time. So usually what I'll do, and this is like been my process of the past few years is like those idle moments where like you probably your brain's probably doing, I don't know whatever. So I usually actually write either in the shower, like in my head or I'll write while I'm driving in my head or any moment where I'm just like sitting and I'm not necessarily like actively doing something where I like can use my brain to think in that way is when I will write. And so I will write in my head at first. So that's when I'm coming up with the general ideas. And then I'm thinking through the characters, some of the key plot points. And then when I have like that kind of form really, really like fully formed. And then I'll start putting that stuff down on paper. And really it's just like in my notes app in, on my phone. I'm just like throwing stuff in there. So I like have my thoughts collected because it's easy to forget that stuff since you're doing it in your head. <laughs> so I'll put it in my notes app. And then like, once there's enough like content there, then I'll start kind of setting aside a time in a, uh, in a sense uh, to go and write, but it may be like 30 minutes here, you know, an hour here, maybe I'll get like a weekend time block that I can do stuff. So it really is very regular. It's not a, a like set like two hours. The people I know, they're like two hours every morning. And I'm like, ah, oh, I love that. I wish I could do that.
0: <laughs> but I can't. Like, I'm a gal on the go. I got a <laughs> lot going on to struggle. Exactly. And,
1: you know. exactly. So I fit it in where I can, but it works for me. Everyone has a different process, but that's been the most effective way for me to actually get, get stuff done.
0: Hey, if that's authentic to you, then, you know, <laughs> well, okay. So what, you know, given you write these different scripts, right. For these productions, have you ever known, like, and this might be like an unfair question, like too early to say, but, you know, like you just feel like, Oh, this is a good one. Like, this is going to be big. Like, this is my favorite or, or maybe your favorite isn't the one that necessarily is the big one, you know.
1: Yeah. You know, I <laughs> I think I feel really strongly about all of my screenplays be only because if they got that far for me to write it then I had already done this like vetting in my head of like is this awful because there's like I have a ton of ideas and I may even start going down the line of like oh I love this idea and I have the log line I have characters and then I'll just start writing it and I'll be like I don't think this is gonna do well or I don't like and it also depends on the goal like am I trying to get this into into like script competitions or do I want to produce this myself or do I want to try to get someone to produce it so it depends also like what I plan to do with it, but yeah, usually I'm kind of already gone through my head and it's like mm, I don't think this is I don't think this is the one, and so I'll kind of like stash like stash it away for like a future thing because I might still use the idea and just like warp it later and it may become something else and then I do fall in love with it again. So if something's gotten past my like initial process, then usually I already feel pre- feel pretty good about it. But I think that's just the nature of you know any creator. It's like, you know, you usually kind of love the stuff that you make because you you birthed it, right? And then yeah. you know, but but I also have I'm also very realistic about how it will be perceived depending on the person in the audience. Because especially a lot of my work does touch on the like hard truths of racism and anti-Blackness in America. And so depending on the person in the audience, it may be very uncomfortable material for them. And even thinking about like submitting, you know, my screenplays, if I submit it to a competition and there's a judge and that person, you know, has unconscious bias, hasn't really reckoned with their beliefs about Black people in America, they may read one of my scripts and either be like, I don't get it, or I feel, you know, kind of some defensiveness about the material. And you know, may not, you know, score well. That's a potential thing that could happen. And so I'm like very aware of that. And so I also don't take everyone's feedback about my work, like at face value. Like sometimes like you gotta take it with a grain of salt. So I think it just depends too. So, but it's like, do I like it? And is the first part. And then it's like, you know, we'll go from there.
0: I love that. I love that. You're like, do I like it? And you are your number one, you know, let's say critic of uh, of the piece, Good for you. You know, and I, I love that insight that you provided because, again, I don't think people think of that like who you're presenting it to. If you really want to take their opinion or not, given wherever they're coming from in their mindset, that's a pretty big deal. So many exciting things coming up for Ashley. To learn more about her and check out Ashley's film projects, go to her IG pages at Ashley B. and at the Electric Series, and check out her IMDb page, Ashley Harris III. You can also find these details in the Gal on the Go Unplugged show notes. Thank you for taking the time to unplug with me today, Ashley. Thank you so much. And to my listeners, remember, be curious, be kind, and be bold.